fired with enthusiasm by Yuan Chun's example, old Lady Jia decided to hold a riddle party. A very elegant lantern, in the form of a three-leafed screen, was hurriedly constructed on her orders and set up in the hall. When that had been done, she told all the boys and girls to make up a riddle, being careful to keep the answers to themselves, write it on a slip, and stick it to her lantern screen. Then, having prepared the best fragrant tea to drink, a variety of good things to eat, and lots of little gifts to serve as prizes, she was ready to begin. that scene finished, um, we now proceed to the, the riddle section, the kind of back half of the chapter. Um, so as mentioned, uh, Jia Yuanchun, the, the imperial concubine, who was a who was kind of one of the young women of the household before um, being elevated to the imperial palace, uh, she sends a, um, a lantern, uh, or rather she sends a, a eunuch with a lantern, um, and the lantern has a riddle hanging on it, which they all have to solve and write down their answers and also write down a riddle of their own. So each person kind of puts one back on, sticks another one to the lantern and then then it will go back off to her and she can have a go at solving them and so forth. And we don't actually know what Yuan Chun's original riddle was, right? Um, it's not written out anywhere. But we know that, <clears throat> at least from Bao Chai's perspective, it, wasn't, it was not particularly ingenious but she had to make a show of finding it difficult so as to kind of give the appropriate kind of uh, respect to the imperial household. So everyone comes up with their own riddles and their answers to Yuan Chun's and they stick them to the, the lamp, the lantern, and the eunuch carries it back to the imperial palace. And then sometime later, the eunuch returns with some other stuff saying basically, you know, she very much enjoyed your riddles and she came up with answers to uh, almost all of them, uh, although whether those are right or wrong, we don't know. And for those of you who got her riddle right, she sent some gifts. Um, so basically everyone got her riddle right, except for two people, um, Ying Chun and Jia Huan, basically. So Ying Chun is one of the young women of the household. She's one of the so-called Chun sisters, even though they're not actually literally sisters. They're just all young women of the household who have the the character the character Trun in their in their name, um, and um, I think in fairness to them, they're 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 kind of slightly made into secondary characters. Um, they're often kind of lumped together, and we haven't had that much opportunity to get to know them yet, even twenty two chapters into the book. Right, 
maybe this chapter we're going to get a little bit of a sense for their differences. Uh, we definitely have a sense for Yuan because she's been elevated to this new position. And so she's already kind of, in, at least in my mind, she's a very distinct spring. Uh, but we're going to get a little more sense uh, in this chapter. Although it's similar to, we're going we're gonna, to, it's as in chapter five, we're going to learn about them uh, through, you know, an artistic medium. And so the ones who are more talented at it will, yeah, I suppose somehow reveal more. Um, the, the other person that gets the real wrong, as we said, is uh, Jia Huan, who you, you mentioned earlier, he's Bao Yu's younger brother. But whereas Bao Yu is born of his father's wife, Lady Wang, Jia Huan is born of his father's concubine. So he holds a kind of lower status and he very much feels it. Um, he feels, we saw in the last chapter, or maybe the one before, a strong sense of not belonging, you know? I guess to compound uh, upon that, we're getting a sense here that he's maybe not as intelligent. <laughs> uh, so the problem is not only that he guessed the riddle incorrectly, but also his response riddle is unanswerable and arguably not really like a riddle at all. <laughs> he doesn't, he kind of missed the premise. Yeah, it, it doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. Right? He, I think what's going on here is simply, and so his, his item is supposed to be a headrest and in what Hawks has rendered a ridge end. Yeah, um, but it's kind of, it's, it's like on, um, on roofs of traditional Chinese buildings, you have these kind of elegantly curving roofs. So normally the roof doesn't lie in a flat diagonal. It kind of curves, so it approaches nearly horizontal towards the bottom end of the roof. And at the corners of the roof, you normally have these ends, which are sometimes like uh, engraved or carved. Maybe they're in the like image of a dragon or some other kind of animal or, you know, whatever. And I think it's that end that he's talking about. Um, I think that's, I believe that's the, 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 the item he's talking about. And, and I guess his, his riddle, um, should we read the Hawks? So, uh, big brother with eight sits all day on the bed. Little brother with two sits on the roof's head. There's a loud laugh when uh, this riddle is finished uh, being read. Um and so Jiahuan has to tell the answer that the you know the big brother uh is the headrest and that's why it's sitting all day on the bed and i guess the uh the ridge end that you described is sitting on the roof's head i think the the basic problem is that it's not the the whole idea of the exercise was supposed to be um these kind of very metaphorical descriptions and the objects are very much personified and you get a sense it's very elliptical and indirect um but here it's there's, there's almost no it's very straightforward it's simply uh it's too straightforward almost to the point where it's there was it, there wasn't enough uh like material to guess on yeah is that the is that your kind of understanding of this as well yeah and it's kind of just somehow purely descriptive um, yes yeah there's no <laughs> imagination to it but but the thing about this is that um 
it's interesting that he talks about Big Brother and Little Brother because it it does show that clearly at the forefront of his mind is his relationship to his elder brother and their kind of difference, you know, the 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 different position that they held, you know. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that as much, but yeah. So he's the yeah, he, so I guess his big brother is, you know, just sitting all day kind of uh relaxing in his power and position uh whereas he is, you know, stuck sort of uh, on the outskirts. Yeah, he squats on the roof kind of thing. I I mean, I don't know if you can read too much into it very literally, <laughs> but I think the mere fact that he chose to write the riddle in terms of big brother this, little brother that shows that he's yeah, fixated on their relative position. You know, it's also odd because it's two items. It's only supposed to be one item, right? Everyone else does a single item and, and like it's it makes for a more cohesive uh you know, artistic project, but he, for some reason, he's chosen two dis fairly dissimilar items in different locations, uh, making even yeah, more. Yeah, I don't know why you would think of them together, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of that's why everyone is laughing because he he sort of uh, botched the botched the execution yeah. severely. Um, and we can see the difference that you know, even though both he and Ying Chun got the riddle wrong. She doesn't seem to be that bothered by it, but he seems to take it to heart rather. Um, mm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Grandmother Jia is uh, inspired by this and decides to hold a party of her own. You know, she she has a new kind of riddle lantern um, built, and you know these are really beautiful. They're in interesting shapes and different colors, and you know, in that Chinese lantern way, they they kind of they glow in a very just in a very pretty way, I suppose. Um, and she has all kind of food and drink prepared and some little prizes for people who, you know, have mm -hmm. good riddles or who guess the difficult ones. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's about the time of uh, Yuan Xiaojie. So it's the time of the New Year's. And so that's also, uh, that's the motivation for this festival, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Which also kind of harkens back, does that maybe also harken back to the beginning of the novel where we had, uh, that's when uh, Xiangling, or uh, Inglian goes missing uh, yeah, she does. on, she on does. the Lantern Festival. I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's kind of part of the symbolism. Uh, it's this transitional moment again. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, it's a it's a very important time. It has uh, it carries a lot of significance. It's not like any you know. It's not just like any other day. You know. Mm. Before they get down to the. So before they get down to the whole business of doing riddles, um, first you have this slightly awkward scene um, where they're all kind of sitting about in their various positions. And um, Jia Zheng is there, so Bao Yu's father, who's very kind of stern and has this slightly kind of chilling effect on... Mm, um, on everybody, but especially Bao Yu. On everybody, yeah. On especially mm -hmm. Bao Yu, exactly, yeah. So his real, like, usually irrepressible energy is very much suppressed and you know he's 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 rather glum and so the the mood which is supposed to be festive is in fact a bit almost somber because of his presence and um <laughs> actually grandmother Jia, so his mother uh at some at one point basically has to say you know 
piss off. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's probably time for you to go and let the young people enjoy themselves. Um, it's remarkable, though, that I mean, the reason he's there is that he heard about it and he also prepared his own riddle. And he sort of this is the closest we've seen uh, we've seen of his character kind of lightening up a bit. And so it's kind of an unfortunate dynamic where on one hand, he's trying to participate uh, more actively, but he has such a strong reputation and he's so strong, he's so strongly associated with uh, like sternness and, and discipline and order that like he's kind of stuck to the role and everyone kind of still feels uh, his usual. Yeah. It's, it's the the feeling for me is a bit like, when you go for Friday drinks with your colleagues and the boss comes along and everyone feels like they can't really enjoy themselves, you know? Oh, okay. Yes. That's a, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, okay. But, you know, rather than just sending him off completely, um, grandmother Jar says, okay, let me give you a riddle, you know, and you can see if you can, you can see if you can solve that. So we get grandmother Jar's riddle first mm-hmm. and it's a pretty straightforward one. This is one area where, the the English and the Chinese actually diverge quite a lot because the hidden meaning of the riddle is there in Chinese, but it doesn't translate well into English. Uh, and so Hawks does quite a clever, quite a clever thing. I think we should start with the Chinese first to explain, and then then to, then take the the Hawks right. So in Chinese, it's just Hozi, which means a monkey. Mm. Shen is body. Qingjian, so stands lightly. Shu Shao, like on the tree branches, basically. So the the monkey the monkey stands lightly in the tree branches, and the clue is that mm. it's a kind of fruit, and so it's quite hard to make sense of that basically. But if you know that mm-hmm. this character Jan to stand is synonymous with Li, which also means to stand, and that the the branches Shu Shao are synonymous with another word, Zhi, which also means branches, then you get to the the word Li Zhi which is a homophone of liju, which means lychee. You know, the, the word that we say is, mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys say it in the US, in the UK we would say lychee. Do you say like lychee or? That's maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. but it's that, that fruit basically, you know, the one that like is kind of spiky and you peel it and it's kind of creamy white inside. Um, so that's, that is basically the answer. And it's through this like slightly, um, slightly convoluted logic that you end up there. Um, so standing in the branches mm. is basically the clue that leads you to lychee. Um, but this is obviously a complete nightmare to try to render into English because it's so dependent on the actual sound of Chinese. So Hawks goes for a similar fruit, uh, a long an, basically, which is kind of quite similar in size and, and flavor. Um, and so in his rendering, it's the monkey's tail reaches from treetop to ground. It's the name of a fruit. Um, and the answer is... Long an, which he, the you know the joke is that it sounds like long an in English, like long one, basically, like the long the long tail. Um, so that's that's kind of the first of the riddles, and I guess each of them each of them has a literal meaning, um, but they also reveal stuff kind of symbolically. Um, did you get much of a kind of symbolic meaning from from this one from this poem? Um, or not even really a poem. This riddle. This one. Uh... So we've been we've been reading through the uh the Tsai Tsai Yingjiang 
his uh, sort of explanation for the poetic material. He's got a whole book based on this. Mm -hmm. And he, I believe, references basically an expression we've we've uh, discussed before. Remember, Shu Dao Hu Sun San. Remember that that expression? Yeah. When the when the tree. So this was in in chapter thirteen, when the character Qin Shi uh, or Qin Ke uh, Qing dies. Um, just before she dies, she appears in a dream to Wang Xifeng, one of the other characters, and in that dream, she warns her that the family is you know heading for disaster unless she can try and kind of save them from it or mitigate that disaster anyway and she uses one phrase exactly in particular when the monkey when the tree falls the monkeys scatter uh so you know you, you picture this big tree and the branches are full of monkeys enjoying themselves if the tree were to fall over all the monkeys in the branches would just you know run away um as fast as they could so so what do we know about this phrase i think we discussed this earlier in terms of you know the 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 scattering monkeys in this metaphor would probably be all the hanger-ons and the sort of the false friends who are only there on account of the Jia family's wealth and influence and power. Um, this idea that, you know, when you lose on, on, on the way down, you know, you might not have, you know, the people you relied upon earlier might not be there for you. Um, and this is that's one way to interpret, you know, this particular riddle as having, you know, a kind of a ominous portents about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so one just brief aside about that dream scene uh, I mentioned. Uh, although in the version we're reading, it's Qin Shi who appears. Um, it may originally have been intended to be a different character, uh, Jia Yuanchun, the the concubine in this case, who would have been kind of like a a more likely figure to deliver this this kind of warning about you know preserving the family and taking taking measures to secure their future because she's i don't know seems more of the kind of filial type and it also matches something that's in her in her poem in the dream sequence in chapter five mm, um interesting and given that she was the one initiating this whole riddle kind of craze uh it kind of it tracks so to speak um but that's just kind of an aside um right there's a few of these poems or riddles riddle poems effectively that are there's some question over whether they've been rewritten or uh, re reattributed uh from one character to another so so uh so jia zheng um, he hears this riddle and he guesses it pretty much you know without without much difficulty and so he then mm -hmm. poses a riddle of his own back to mm -hmm. grandmother jia do you want to read this one out yeah let me do this one so uh in the hawks translation my body's square iron hard am i i speak no word but words supply it's a useful object so i can were you able to guess it without reading uh, ahead? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I know I I I didn't like get very far with any of these except for one, which struck me as very obvious. Okay. Um, about yours? 
Uh, no, actually. Um, <laughs> um, I'll mention it as we go past. I don't want to give anything away. Okay, okay, okay. Um, it, so in this case, what is the object? Um, it's an inkstone, right? And so it doesn't speak, but it's essential for uh, producing written words. Yeah, so right. so an inkstone is, is a thing used in traditional Chinese calligraphy like calligraphy and, and writing right it's a it's a, a block of this yeah some kind of inky stone where which when you add water to it rather like with watercolor when you you kind of i think you grind it up slightly and add water to to the powder you've ground up and you can use that as ink basically mm -hmm. i would say this this example sort of suits uh jajang's character right it's a it's kind of a very uh dignified uh, it has square edges. Uh, this is kind of, and it's also a very uh, a model example for this exercise. There's no liberties are taken. It's very much, uh, yeah, straight and 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 rounded. Or, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, in in the Chinese, it's four lines of four characters. So it's very like neat. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, as a kind of someone who considers themselves to be a kind of learned scholar. I suppose. Um, of course, yeah. Adopting an inkstone as your object is is very appropriate mm. in some ways, but it does speak to. I mean, yeah, it seems to be reflective of his character in that it's kind of like square and proper. It's kind of tough and unyielding. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also like a kind of other meaning I I think kind of encoded in it, which is that he doesn't speak for himself; just the words of others pass through him. And to me, that kind of suggested that he has very little originality of his own. Like everything that he mm. says and does, he's very good at perhaps regurgitating wisdom that he's learned from elsewhere. But he's very, he maybe isn't so good at mm -hmm. understanding and developing mm -hmm. um, that that stuff, right? And I mean, we, we talked about this before in chapter nine, when Bayou goes off to school, his father tells him, you know, you should be studying these works, not those works, because you know these ones are the kind of fundamentals of of learning. Um, almost, it seems kind of being ignorant of this very obvious thing that the the stuff that he attacked as being no good were considered, I suppose, like equally as important in mm -hmm. in kind of right back in yeah. Um, I guess he just has this rather he has this rather closed. He has this rather closed okay, view of yeah. the world, is what I would say. Okay, so how about um, should we move on to? I guess this would be the third riddle. And so he doesn't leave immediately, and so we still have Jia Zheng playing a part in this scene. Yeah, I feel like they get kind of caught up in the enjoyment of it, and as you said, mm -hmm. this is one of the few times it seems he's almost kind of letting his hair down. So maybe he's reluctant mm -hmm. to go as well. Um. Okay. So, the first riddle he saw was another one from Yuan Chun, the, the concubine. At my coming, the devils turn pallid with wonder. My body's all folds and my voice is like thunder. When, alarmed by the sound of my thunderous crash, you look round. I have already turned into ash. An object of amusement. Um, so this is the one that I thought was uh, most obvious. Um, uh, this this is the one that I you know I I have to confess I was not very good at most of these riddles but and actually we have uh, to amend something yeah. we said earlier because we do get Yuan Chun's riddle uh, it's just sort of it's not given to us until now right 
And so have we guessed yet? So <laughs> So what's the answer? That is a and Jajong gets it. He guesses would that be a firework? And uh, Bao Yu uh speaks up and he says, "Yes." Um and so you can, you can kind of see that, you know, it makes a, a thunderous uh sound. Uh but it, you know, as soon as you hear it, it's already gone almost. It 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 very quickly turns to ash. Uh, and so it's kind of a dark image a little bit. If you think of being this object, this whole exercise is a little bit, because you are effectively uh, personifying an object, it, this whole exercise lends itself toward um, kind of dwelling upon, you know, um, objectification and being objectified by your social position or by society. Um, and even to the point where like, it's like you get to choose between being an object of amusement or an object of use. Isn't that sort of the choice people have nowadays as well? You know, you could either be, you know, you could either be exploited as a, like, a you know, working in a, an office or you could be an underpaid, you know, artist or, uh, or, or dancer or painter, you know, you can either be an object of use or an object of amusement. Uh, I, I think there's kind of ominous uh, just overtones to the language that uh, that still uh, kind of uh, stay with us, that that linger in a sense. So with this one, the the literal meaning I think is quite clear. Obviously, you know, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, yeah, they fireworks are used um, partly in Chinese tradition for. Uh, scaring off spirits, right? You know, they're they're there for frightening away ghosts, which is why one of the, honestly one of the most baffling things I found the first time I went to China when I was eighteen was the phenomenon of letting off fireworks during the day. Mm. Um, because before that, I'd only ever seen them let off at night. Because in darkness, obviously, they have such an interesting visual aspect. Um, but yeah, I arrived in the midst of Chinese New Year, everyone, every shop, every business would let off fireworks of their own. So it felt <laughs> sort of like, you know, there was just constant explosions all the way through the day from, from morning till evening. And yeah, you know, you would have a such and such like phone shop or, or like a grocery store would set up a big box of fireworks outside their front door and let them all off. Uh, and then that would be kind of it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I imagine it. It's this constant like sequence of explosions. Um, anyway, yeah. So so they're exciting in their own right, but they have this function of scaring away dev, uh, demons. So kind of hence mm -hmm. that, hence that reference. And there is again a bit of uh, the uh, the turning to ash. Uh, the, I think it's hua hua hui. Uh, the hui is like hui chen. The same sort. It's similar to the kind of uh, the Buddhist image of the uh, of mortal existence as this um, dust that has been stirred up for a, a mere a mere moment. So it's the same kind of uh, life as fleeting uh, a fleeting affair, albeit you know. And so in the case of Yuantron, you, you can see that maybe you know uh, this might be a sign that her own kind of um, glorious uh, rise and status is going to, in the grander scheme of things, amount to, you know, a mere flicker. That kind yeah, of thing. 
Absolutely agree. It, you know, in in that you know portentous dream we mentioned in chapter twelve, um, where just before Chinsha dies, she appears. She says, you know, a, a great honor will be bestowed upon the family, but it will be one as transitory as the flare-up of cooking oil in a pan. Oh, okay, great. The same image, right? Very similar. And so, a very similar image. And I, that that was exactly what I thought of here, right? The reason she chooses a firework is because it's it's big and loud and glorious, but in just a moment, in the passing of a, you know, in the in the blink of an eye, it turns to ash. And actually, there's, there's one thing that... She, I, I saw mentioned, which is in the final line, what Hawks translates as "You look round." I have already turned to ash. So that "You look round" is like you know, in, in the blink of an eye kind of thing. You know, like in the turning of a head is literally the phrase mm-hmm. used in Chinese, um, "hui shou." Mm-hmm. Um, but that term also apparently has some Buddhist significance as a euphemism for death. Um, and so this may be also kind of foreshadowing in 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 that way. Um, all right so okay how about the next one i'll do this one so this is the next one this riddle has been written by uh ying chun one of the uh, chun sisters as we've been calling them um okay so man's works and heaven's laws i execute without heaven's laws my workings bear no fruit why am i agitated all day long for fear my calculations may be wrong, a useful object. So this one's a little, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I would have been able to uh, guess this. Although, to be honest, I, I kind of just read along and, without stopping to think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have. I, uh, I ruined the experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is an, an abacus, right? Yeah, of course. So so the, the beads on the abacus are knocked back and forth um, as counting as, you know, proceeding um and yeah man's works and heaven's laws i execute right and heaven's laws here which is uh they have it as tian yun so like almost like heaven's luck maybe but it's yeah i guess like decree or order um i guess must be referring to arithmetic right yeah or or like it's almost like it's similar to fate right like uh tian ming uh like the like I, I also think of yun as movements the movements of heaven right the way the the way mm-hmm. if you in the at nighttime the stars move across the sky if you look long enough right i like that's the kind of the the, the the basic idea the and so yeah it is like nature natural arithmetic you know like physics the the uh, the, the laws of nature and so, in what um, in what sense do we know? Does this relate to uh, Ying Chun as a character? You know, it's hard to say because we don't know. A, I, I we seem to know the least about her of all these characters. Is that a fair estimation? Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had very very little kind of contact with her. Um, we don't have that much sense of where she what she's like and and where she may end up. Um, so I think we can just pause it for now. Okay. So how about uh, so the the next, yeah, the next one is Tan Chun's um, riddle. So in spring, the little boys look up and stare to see me ride so proudly in the air. My strength all goes once the bond is parted, and on the wind I drift off, broken-hearted, an object of amusement. 
this is a good riddle i thought uh it's both it's yeah. both like artistically yeah. kind of it could just be a poem you know it doesn't have to be a riddle but it, it functions as both um I was going to say some some of the imagery in the in the Chinese original is quite is very poetic, you know. So this, the being carried off, the parting on the east wind, which is which is what the final line is about, you know. It refers to this, yeah. Uh, more xiang dong feng yuan bie li. So don't I, I like I had understood this as um, don't resent my parting on the east wing on the east wind. Like if my if my string is cut. Like if my string is cut, then you cannot complain that I drift away on the east wind, something along those lines. But that, as an image, to me was quite was quite kind of poetic, I guess. Um, the the kite itself is um, an image that is strongly associated with uh, Tan Chun. Uh, so we we don't know that much about her, but we know back in chapter five, mm. in the in this grand dream sequence, there is a section where Bao Yu is reading through this this book. And in the book are all of these cryptic images with equally cryptic poems accompanying them. And so one of them reads, Next was a picture of two people flying a kite. There was also a large expanse of sea with a boat in it and a girl in the boat who had buried her face in her hands and appeared to be crying. And so this is, you know, the the image that accompanies the poem there has the the kite as a motif. And so, yeah, it's... it's definitely not at all kind of coincidental that that's that is tantrun's poem in the in chapter five right that her riddle here also uses the it's also you know it's also if it's the uh you know if it's the eastern winds the the dongfang then and and, and in the chapter five imagery you have this water imagery uh and and a somebody crying as if they're departing you know you, you can guess that maybe uh she's gonna go for a long journey of some sort yeah say. yeah we feel at some point she is gonna she may travel long distances away right and, and might be hard to recover in, in some capacity uh which which would be like you know if you're if you're uh, okay so this is a kite right um <laughs> did we say that yet and if you're a kite and you're up in the air and suddenly the spring the the string breaks you know you might not recover that kite it might get caught in a gust of wind and, and become you know it's be lost you know in space and time um yeah. yeah exactly exactly it's a it's a parting that doesn't have any expectation of return right mm, mm. uh so it's a really good image especially because uh the kite is this, this interesting on one hand it's a it's it's free to uh sort of uh move majestically and it, it's a it's a, a cause of you know everyone's looking at it but it's you know its abilities are contingent upon that connection that being grounded uh you know maybe in this case the kind of a familial grounding and once that uh link is severed then you know the kite is no longer a kite it's more just something blowing in the wind so to speak and so we definitely have this now this, this strong association between uh, Tantrun and kites. And so we have to kind of uh, keep that in mind. All right. So what's the next riddle? The next riddle is uh, Dayu's riddle. This might have originally been intended actually for Bao Chai. And there, there's some question of whether 
later writers in in editing they kind of decided to change to make this uh Dayu's poem instead for various reasons and how that might kind of um limit its pretentious qualities so with that like that kind of that sort of minutia preface here's Dayu's riddle uh at court levy my smoke is in your sleeve music and beds to other sorts I leave. With me at dawn, you need no watchman's cry. At night, no maid to bring a fresh supply. My head burns through the night and through the day. And year by year, my heart consumes away. The precious moments I would have you spare. But come fair, foul, or fine, I do not care. A useful object. So, of course, her poem is like, two times as long as anyone else's um <laughs> right maybe that's um, why and, and you know yeah. whether, whether whether it's a balchai poem or a Dayu poem you know like both of them are very erudite and have previously shown them to be very capable poets and so it's not surprising that they would if given this opportunity kind of let the sails out a bit mm -hmm. you know and the the original language is heavily indebted to the the tang uh poetic tradition uh what Hawks has is a really interesting image here. What Hawks has as Watchman's Cry, uh, in the original, the Watchman is uh, Jiren, like uh, like literally uh, Chicken Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and which is a, a an old reference, maybe going back all the way to pre-imperial times, of a, a curious custom where apparently, by some accounts. Uh, in, in certain imperial settings, uh, no, no roosters, you know, no, no cocks were allowed in the uh, imperial grounds. And so rather than have a, a rooster, a rooster's cry mark the morning, they had a special watchman with a, like some kind of special signal he would give to uh, produce the same effect. Uh, which is really kind of a fascinating uh, image, I thought, because it, it's. I, I wonder whether it's the like the. I'm not sure if I'm overinterpreting this, but it seems as if like the the virility of the of the rooster was inappropriate or something it, oh, to enter I into see. this. I don't know if that's a an overinterpretation, but it's so funny because we have this. A lot of like you know like the right wing commentary is obsessed with uh like uh things being cucked quote unquote yeah. uh and so it's as if the uh, the pre-imperial uh uh you know imperial space was not uh it, it wasn't cucked per se but it was decocked yeah because you know, no cocks well, well, were allowed i, I, I mean the, the notion <laughs> of like the notion of like cucking or like cuckoldry comes from the cuckoo bird right so okay so what they do is they their thing is to find a nesting bird and when the nesting bird leaves to go and find food they go in they take one of the eggs out and they put theirs in in place so that this nesting bird raises the the, the cuckoo's bird for it and so you know a cuckold would be one who okay. thought believes they're raising their own child but really it's the child of someone else um, right and that's the motivation for the eunuch practice you don't want someone to you know switch yeah, the eggs yeah exactly exactly and so yeah, and so it's interesting that yeah 
uh, it's just another instance of like uh, neuroses about sex and particularly paternity being kind of intertwined with yeah invading this symbolic space yeah uh okay so what is what's the object here oh um (laughs) (laughs) uh well so the yeah but back to the yeah so the object is an incense and an incense clock yep um and that's why you know it it there's always uh there's always a smoke being um you know 24 hours a day the the smoke is is rising um and that's why all these images kind of work right you know it it's it's this ever self-replenishing but also like self-destroying burn kind of thing yeah i i and i try to find something of this the incense clock what it looked like that's a good question right yeah um i have heard of similar things um so um Apparently, there used to be old-fashioned alarm clocks where you would take a candle and you would put it on a metal plate and you would embed a pin or nail partway down the candle and then leave the candle burning all night. And when the candle reached the pin, the wax would melt and the pin would come loose and it would fall and hit the plate and make like a ding noise and that would wake the person Mm. sleeping next to it. And I wondered if this was something similar in some Mm. way or or, or completely... I'm not sure, yeah, had I had more time, I would have like looked more deeply into this. I, I was just imagining. Yeah. I, I did. I, I looked around. I I couldn't find. Okay. I couldn't find that much information on it. To be um, fair. Yeah. Uh, there's also like water clocks. There's, there's a lot of like natural. Yeah, natural ways of uh, registering time are, are pretty interesting, actually. Um, I was kind of focused on just this idea of it, it being this like you know 24 hour burning. And the burning being a kind of metaphor for, uh, for yearning and longing and uh, the kind of things that Dai Yu might be doing. Although, I mean, the reason why uh, it's been argued that this might have originally been Bao Chai's poem is that uh, it seems to indicate a longer stretch of time than you know, Dayu is going to be, going to be with us. And so it is kind of, it, it maybe does fit better, uh, Bao Chai. There, there's this uh, section, the kind of lines uh, five and six of the poem in the Chinese are really good as an image. Like there are some of, I thought there's some of my favorite images in the whole, um, the whole riddle section. So the Chinese reads, Jiao Shou, Zhao Zhao Huan Mu Mu Jian Xin Ri Ri Fu Nian Nian. So that first line is Jiao uh, is to burn, Shou is the head. So burning head. Zhao Zhao is like morning morning. Huan is like return to Mu Mu dusk, uh, mm-hmm. dusk evening. So basically, mm-hmm. so the head is burning from from morning till dusk. Um, and then it goes on. Jian uh, literally is like to fry, but again, it's a kind of burning. It's a burning verb. Jian uh, xin xin is the heart, so the heart is burning or frying literally. Ru uh, ru is like day after day, right. um, and then fu is like repeatedly, and then nian nian is year after year. So the heart burns from day to day and year to year, or as days pass to years, something like that, and. 
in the literal sense, it's talking about the incense, right? So the incense is burning constantly. The head of the incense is burning constantly from dawn to dusk. Or, or even like, uh, you know, dawn after dawn, dusk after dusk, right? That's what, I, I was interpreting the repetition as like more than one dawn, like from dawn to dusk, again and again and again kind of thing. That's a really good way of thinking of it. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exactly. Um, and your heart, the, the heart of the, you know, it's burning as the days pass into years, day after day, year after year. But because it's using head and heart here, I did obviously think of them in a in like a anthropomorphic way as well, right? Exactly. Like yeah. Considering yeah. it not just the as the incense, but obviously applying it to 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 humans, to human affairs, and um, it does feel like this is talking about someone being worried and troubled, being disquieted in their head and in their heart, mm-hmm. um, and it somehow does, yeah, portend, I guess, sadness and difficulties. You know, all day long, but also day after day, year after year. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess you could interpret it two ways. You could, you could interpret it as uh, like Dayu's longing for Bao Yu, uh, you know, over the years, even if it is you know a, a shorter number of years. Um, you could also maybe think of it as if we if we think about um, Bao Yu's marriage eventually to Bao Chai. And his eventually leaving her for some kind of monastic service, um, then you know that would be her own sort of uh, year after year, you know, being consumed by uh, effective like widowhood and and the loneliness of, of that kind of experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Um. You know, if that were to happen, yeah, not giving away certainly. Um, I want to ask you one thing: the fourth line, where it's "wu uh, is like during the night time. There's no need to disturb your maid servants. Um, did you think that there was any like double meaning there, given his like predilection for like chasing after the maids? Ah, potentially. Uh, and actually, we'll see in a poem in the very next chapter, Bao Yu does bother a, uh, in the poem, he mentions bothering a maidservant for tea late at night. I think that's good, actually. I, I think that probably is maybe a little bit of, a little spice to the uh, to the formulation, even though it also functions primarily in the sense that, you know, this, uh, you know, this uh, burning heart doesn't need any uh, attention. It kind of burns of its own sort of uh, eternal, you know, spring of desire kind of thing. Uh, okay. Um, do you want to do the next riddle? Yes. This is uh, the second to last riddle. Jia Zheng looks at the next riddle. Southward you stare. Hill northward glare. Grieve, and he's sad. Laugh, and he's glad. A useful object. <laughs> uh, and this one I thought was the most obvious of all of them, right? And Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's why... Uh, so so Jia Jung likes this one. It's, one of, it's his favorite, I think. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. If the answer is a mirror, it's a very good riddle. 
which is a very funny comment because like well if it's not a mirror is it not a good riddle or maybe yeah. you're just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh and and Bao Yu says that is the answer um yeah. and of course Jiajiang is like well who who wrote this great riddle and it turns out it was Bao Yu's riddle uh mm-hmm. and so he's immediately disappointed because he doesn't like Bao Yu yeah <laughs> um, he doesn't like praising his son I don't know if that has. Does that have any pretentious material to it? Uh, I, I it feel is, like it maybe does in this, in the sense of facing two ways. I think it has a meaning of like the, you know, we've talked before about how the the kind of lot fated for him in this life is to have be constantly pulled in these two directions, and a mirror. Um, I suppose here it's talking about. You sit facing north, it sits facing south. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. There's something, there's a kind of duality type aspect mm-hmm. about it. But the other thing I would say is it's, uh, I think it's the author breaking the fourth wall. Not exactly. But the character, Bao Yu, is very strongly identified with the author themselves. Um, and one of the names of the book is... Uh, you know, Feng Yue Bao Jian, a mirror for the romantic. And so describing the character which represents the author as a as like mm. symbolically associated with a mirror, um, I guess is a, a way of the author saying, My role in this is to be a mirror for is to reflect back okay. like, the things that happened. You know, is to reflect back to society. I, I, I knew. That's good. Yeah, I would add to that also. Uh, if we return to uh, the poem from chapter five, uh, Wang Ding Mei, the, the frowning brows poem, where you could maybe have this little riddle also um, kind of as a recapitulation of the image of uh, kind of the mutual co- constitution of. Uh, Bao Yu and Dai Yu, where you know one is the the moon in the water, the other is the flower in the mirror, right? Um, and so maybe you can see how you know their emotions are connected here. You know, if if Dai Yu is unhappy, Bao Yu is unhappy. If if Dai Yu is happy, Bao Yu is happy. But also there's a contrary uh, character. You know, like. They all, they're always kind of at ends. You know, if he's facing north, she's facing south. Uh, you know, th- th- maybe that's kind of also what's going on here a little bit. Yeah, I I, I, I do very much agree with that. Um, I think there's a, a scene in one or two chapters back where she's lying in bed and he jumps into bed with her. But the sense I got was them almost topping and tailing. You know, like they're, they're sitting or lying facing each other in bed, you mm. know their heads are at opposite ends of the bed so it's the same kind of thing reflected there right okay yeah um i i think all these work yeah what, what you said i hadn't thought of that at all but that's i think it's pretty good yeah it it is sort of uh yeah what, what's the author doing where does the author appear in this chapter maybe right here in the in the, the image of the mirror okay so then we have the final the final riddle so this one is uh written by bao chai so it reads, My eyes cannot see, and I'm hollow inside. When the lotuses surface, I'll be by your side. When the autumn leaves fall, I shall bid you adieu, for our marriage must end. 
when the summer is through. A useful object. Um, I find this one a rather like. It's very. It's a bit somber. Um, it's quite kind of. It's quite touching though. I like it. Um, so what's the object? What Hawks has. Uh, he's translated it as a bamboo wife, um, which is sort of a, I guess, an East Asian specific item. Imagine basically the equivalent of a, a body pillow, but constructed of bamboo and used in the, the hot summer months as a way to kind of cool yourself yeah. uh, while sleeping. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen one of these in person i have actually in the past when i was living in uh in china i like i had a, a kind of a bamboo uh kind of covering that i would put on my on my mattress and that would have a really nicely cooling effect i think this is a similar idea but it's also a pillow and sometimes i think it's used for by uh pregnant women uh to, to keep them, to keep you on your side when you're sleeping. Yeah, because because yeah, like side sleeping is preferable and it, it improves alignment and maybe also helps you cool down as well. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So exactly that. It's kind of like woven strands of um, threads of bamboo, basically. Yeah, together in a in a body pillow. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and by hugging something which is or like yeah, kind of sleeping next to something which is which is hollow and full of all these holes um, mm -hmm. that helps to keep you cool. So that's why it says, you know, my eyes cannot see and I'm hollow inside. The, the <laughs> yeah. eyes being, the eyes being these little, the, the holes in between the bits of weave are the mm -hmm. eyes basically. Um, and then when the lotuses surface, that's um, you're coming into summertime basically. Um, so that's when you bring it out. And when the leaves fall from the, when the autumn leaves fall, I'll sh I shall bid you adieu. Mm -hmm. um, so you know that's a that's when you that's when you put it away. Um, uh, I suppose this is uh, again it's it's there's a portent there um, for Baoyu and Bao Chai's future married life, right? Right, right. It's not that it would all come undone within the space of a year, but maybe the spring of youth, right? Um. And so, yeah, by having the last line, you know, our marriage must end when the summer is through, uh, it it really kind of uh, makes the image over the top, uh, somber and melancholy. Um, and that affects Jia Zheng, actually, right? Oh, what what yeah. I was going to say is what, what's funny is um, you mentioned body pillows. And, and I did a little bit of reading around this. Apparently, the yeah, the, the motif of the of the bamboo wife um has you know it, it does exist in 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 poetry uh you know in in um in like other chinese poems like there are there are guys who've written poems to their to their bamboo wife which is just kind of like surreal in a way i suppose <laughs> um but i suppose mm. if you're you know if you're hugging her holding her tight <laughs> all through the summer then um you may develop you may develop strong feelings <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah but as we say it ends on a somber note it ends on a somber note and you were saying Jia Zhang is quite affected by this right yeah you know he, he's overwhelmed he has to go like lie down 
in effect, which reminded me a lot, as I said before, of chapter five when uh, Bao Yu was overwhelmed by the the song cycle. And so he finally leaves and like Bao Yu goes crazy because he, he's been pent up uh, by this this paternal kind of crushing presence and he starts going around uh yeah in, in the hawks it's it's uh pointing with his finger and capering about for all the world like a captive monkey that had just been let off its chain yeah um. <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely he's he, um he can finally be himself he's finally kind of let out of his cage um and yeah, he's you know looking at the different riddles and saying, oh, I would have used this character instead of that one, or this bit is very good, or this bit is mm-hmm. you know, you should swap these lines around or something. Uh, <laughs> um, and this change in his behavior and the kind of boisterousness uh, inspires Daiyu and Xifeng to observe that you know maybe they should have Jia Zhang around more often <laughs> if it suppresses his his behavior in in this way. And they mentioned that by now it's it's very late. That the night drum is sounding, uh, and it's the beginning of the fourth watch, which is well into the evening, right? Um, yeah. Far past midnight. And that's basically where where we leave off, right? Yeah, that's that's the tail end of the chapter. Um, it's always fun doing riddles. I really enjoy them, um, and it's fun picking them apart in another language. Yeah. Although I think I would really, really have struggled. Um, reading these solely in chinese you mm. know at least with at least with some kind of commentary i think yeah and i guess also you know the objects may have been common to them but actually i was struck by how many of them were rather exotic you know the incense clock the right. bamboo you wife can, you can't guess incense incense clock if you don't know what it is yeah yeah uh <laughs> So, next chapter is chapter 23. Words from the Western Chamber supply a joke that offends, and songs from the soul's return move a tender heart to anguish. Uh, and this chapter also features some iconic poems of Bao Yu. Interesting uh, progress on our journey. Um, so, this has been another installation of Rereading the Stone. Uh, you know, get in, get in contact with us if you uh, if you have any uh, feedback or just want to uh, say hi. Uh, we're we're on Twitter at rereading stone, and we have a Facebook page, facebook.com/slash rereading the stone. Um, so, thanks for listening, and until next time, uh, bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs>